0: The Incomparable Podcast Number 91
1: May 2012 Welcome back to The Incomparable Podcast I'm Jason Snell, your host and our topic on this edition of The Incomparable is the phenomenon known as The Hunger Games uh, which which began as a series of novels by Suzanne Collins trilogy um, and then recently was made into a major motion picture, as they say, which made a whole lot of money, uh, directed by Gary Ross and starring Jennifer Lawrence, among others. So we're going to talk about The Hunger Games, the book, The Hunger Games, the m- the movie. Uh, we will fire off the spoiler horn and talk about the sequels to The Hunger Games book. Um, and uh, joining me to talk everything Katniss Everdeen are... My guests, two delightful guests. First off, Lisa Schmeiser. Hi, Lisa. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. And also Serenity Caldwell. Hi, Ren. Hello, hello. All right. So the Hunger Games. Now, I, my story with the Hunger Games is that my wife was uh read these. She's a she's a librarian and and she works in the children's library. She reads a lot of children and young adult books, and she um enjoyed these books and was very excited to see the movie, and she demanded that I read um that I read the books before the movie came out so that we could go see the movie with me having properly read the book first as one is supposed to do. So I did. And in fact, I read all three in the course of a couple of weeks. Um, So, you know, that was my introduction to this series. Uh, What about you guys? Uh, You know, Were you both uh, readers of the books before you saw the movie?
2: I had heard bits and pieces about The Hunger Games. And I want to say... December of 2010 or November 2010, the third book in the series had just come out and a friend of mine, uh, had basically written this long, very, very long blog post, uh, about how crushed she was about the, about book three and not necessarily, you know, we'll get into it later. I'm sure the, the highs and lows of the, the end of this trilogy. Uh, but I read enough to realize I'm like, Hmm, this could potentially be a really interesting book. So, over the winter holidays that year, I think I got home in Los Angeles on December 24th, and I had bought the original, The Hunger Games, the first book, in theory, to give to my sister as a Christmas present. And <laughs> on my way home, I'm like, no, well, it's, it's just sitting here. She won't notice if I've read it before I wrap it and give it to her. Oh. Uh, so, I read that book in 12 hours, and then the beauty of being able to get books on the internet instead of having to wait until the bookstore opens the next day is that on christmas eve and christmas day i read catching fire and mocking jay respectively on my kindle mm-hmm. so i managed to get through th- basically the entire book in a weekend um which was a very mostly after dark too so it was a very weird rushed way to read this series which i actually think kind of fits well with the weird crazy things that go on to it um but yeah it was kind of by accident um but i mean i you know there are def- there are things that we can talk about later with the books uh, in terms of their strengths and weaknesses but it was definitely it was a refreshing little series to read and definitely better than some other young adult that i've read recently
1: what about you lisa
0: indulge me in a little bit of personal history. Um, On August twelfth, 2010, my husband and I celebrated our 10th wedding anniversary. And we had originally planned on going to Paris, but I had just entered my third trimester of pregnancy. So that the Paris trip had to be put on hold. And Phil gave me a Kindle for my anniversary present instead. I have some girlfriends who are YA librarians and had talked about the first two books in the series. And they noted that Mockingjay was coming out um, on August 24th, 2010. And so what I did is I actually downloaded all three books on the day that Mockingjay dropped and then spent the next weekend propped up on the couch, learning how to use my Kindle and reading through those three books over and over again. So I, I inhaled them in one great gulp over a weekend and you know, later over the, over the next 18 months, as I've nursed my daughter and rocked her down, I, I will occasionally read Snatches here and there to myself. And before the first movie came out, I did go back and reread the original book just because I like to see how movie adaptations, what, what they keep, what they don't. And I'm better able to judge that when, when the source material is still pretty fresh. And the books are really fast reads. So it's just easy to, to whip through in about 12 hours.
1: Yeah, well, That's it's great. so it's good to know that that we all uh, read the book before the movie, um, and in my in my case, very specifically, which which is actually my my story with um, my story with uh, Game of Thrones too, as I heard it was going to be made into a an HBO series, and so I started reading the George R. R. Martin books, and of course, I read them all by the time the show got on, so I was way ahead by the time the show came on the air. But anyway, so so the Hunger Games. So so let's uh, let's start with the book itself. Um, you know this is a this is a story if you if you are listening and do not know it's a sort of post apocalyptic story about um uh it's set in north america where the united states used to exist but now it's the uh it's the uh country of panem and there are multiple districts run by a capital which is an advanced city in the rocky mountains and they're sort of the cruel overlords of the uh of the uh of the the um Country And they mine and take all the resources from all the different districts. And, uh, you know, they live large while the districts suffer. And just to remind them what their place is, they hold these uh, annual Hunger Games where uh, it's an enjoyable reality TV kind of competition where everybody dies except one. 24 young people go, go in, one comes out, that one person is applauded, and the other 23 are dead. Uh, and uh, while everybody watches so we here we've got um we've got some political issues we've got um we've got uh commentary about reality television uh there's lots of stuff going on, which is interesting for a book that is you know it's a young adult book it's also you know it's kind of kind of gruesome in the sense that you know there are lots of people who die horrible deaths uh, young people who die horrible deaths in the course of this book
0: then actually jason, you've touched on something that was one of my favorite um establishing details in the movie can we talk about that too at the same time
1: yeah yeah sure. Um,
0: what one of my favorite establishing details um that you see in the in the act one where it's setting up the the world of the Capitol and so on and so forth is between stanley tucci and toby jones um who are playing respectively caesar flickerman and um claudius templesmith um, but they're, pl- they're playing the two people who are basically the the, the live MCs, the, the Ryan Seacrests of the Hunger Games, as it were. <laughs> and on sc- it, it, and on screen you see this really horrible um, murder that's about to take place. There's one child who's pinned down another and he's about to bash in his head with a brick. And Stanley Tucci says in this really banal, um, very, um, again, Ryan Seacresting delivery, and here we see the moment where a contestant, Is about to become a victor. And it's fanfare plays. And it's such a stunning overlay of the willful perversion of a narrative in the media where they're telling you what you're watching as opposed to what you are actually watching, which is one child desperately fighting for its life as another one tries to kill him. Um, And again, beautiful establishing detail. And that's something that happens a lot in the books, too. Um, One of the things that struck me in the first book repeatedly is how casually Katniss refers to all of the myriad ways people died in previous games. You know, cause she makes offhanded references to the year everybody um, died of dehydration in the desert or the year everybody froze to death or the year there was a volcano and somebody got decapitated. And there's it's just the matter of factness with, Oh yes, every year we have to watch people horribly die. Boom. It's, it's, it's like a walking case of PTSD. And that's only like in the first few chapters of the book. <laughs>
2: I mean, we get introduced to the world far before we actually get placed in the games themselves. Mm -hmm. And I know some people who hadn't read the books and saw the film, and they're like, why, you know, we get so much of the preparation and so little of the games themselves. And I think that's largely to make a point where it's like, we, you know, the movie, although it's been, and the books, how they've been compared to Battle Royale, it's Mm -hmm. really not about the children fighting. It's about the psychology of, everything behind it it's about this you know
0: it's i think it's is... about the packaging too because yeah because um, because when you think about it it's it's the, the biggest damn con that that anybody could possibly run because how on i, I realize realized that part of the, the 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 horror of the hunger games is supposed to be the gap between how it's sold to its pampered citizens of the capital as and oh it's a reality show with these brave tributes and so on and so forth versus what it actually is which is state-sanctioned murder but um what i think she focuses on excessively are the way that the tributes are are buffed and polished and brought up to capital standards and 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 that's part of the narrative that the makeover narrative which is a convention of reality tv and then there's the training narrative which is another thing that's pretty popular like in the survivor amazing race and and i think she has a lot of really trenchant things to say about the way we package even our news as as amoral entertainment. Um, I think she did say that she was inspired to write the books after looking at how we covered um, how, how the U.S. media covered the wars in Afghanistan and, and Iraq, and and contrast that against the the boom in reality TV that was taking place at the same time.
1: Well, I mean, definitely, media satire is a huge thread of this, is it, and mm-hmm. it is. It goes into the manufacturing of contestants and the creation of storylines. Yes, and in, and, and in fact, it's even echoed. Um, uh, I, I was reminded while um, reading it the, of uh, how you take you take sort of a pure premise, and then over time, in order to keep keep people interested, you have to modify it. So in in the Hunger Games, it, I was always struck, that, you know, the way I envisioned it. When once they start to play it, you see there, there's this pandering to sponsors where they will actually mm-hmm. drop in you know gifts which change the course of the game, and of course the Game Master does things, um, and this is much, I, I thought, much more clear in the movie that that they're even more aggressively manipulative about what's going on to get what they want, but that also, you know, people have to do what they want to do in front of the camera to get to get the right result from the producers. And, and I, what it reminded me of is, like, on Survivor originally, that show had a very clear set of rules and then over time it's sort of like, well, we'll throw in this rule and we'll throw in that rule and it will we'll have a you know an exile island and a, and you'll have a tiki idol that you can hold that makes you immune and and it just became incredibly complex and American Idol the same way they had added the ability for judges to save a contestant who lost the vote and 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 that it really reminded me of that when I was reading the Hunger Games that that not only is this about a media construction but it's about a a, a, a something that started out as a more straightforward competition that has had to be. That it itself, the, this terrible competition has been corrupted because mm-hmm. they have to they have to keep the interest and keep the drama, and and it's you know it's not even a fair competition anymore. There, there, that mm-hmm. even that has gone by the wayside. So like they talk about how um, going in that the people from district one and two, and three maybe I mean, the 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 the, Four. the, the, the first <laughs> di- closest districts to the capital, uh, you're not supposed to raise people to be tributes to to, to be in the Hunger Games but they do and everybody knows they do and those ones usually win and so so even there even in this mm-hmm. you know it's a corrupt society with this this game at its heart and even the game is completely uh corrupt even the thing that should have been like sort of you know you could you could be like well okay you're terrible and you're going to make me die but uh, at least I got a fighting chance it's like no you don't even have that
0: actually the premise of the professional tributes or what they call the careers um she draws a line in the book where it's, okay, because districts one, two, and four have had a lot of tributes win, ergo they have a cult- culture of career tributes, whereas districts like 12, 11, the rest of them are super poor, ergo they don't. That really doesn't make sense um, from a, from a, a resource, resources perspective because I would think if you're, if you're a really poor district – Somebody at at a local level is going to make the calculation that it makes sense to cultivate some children to go out and fight to the death for you so that your entire district can get allotments. And so why wouldn't you pull your resources and and try to and try to build up strong, strong candidates in the poor districts in the hope of reallocating those resources rather than just say, OK, here's two or three districts that are always going to win. Off you go, kids, go die. Um it, yeah, does, well, it, it doesn't just, make sense, especially in a culture where they've had 75 years to get used to the games. You think at this point you would have had somebody in one of the districts that said, all right, let's start taking a look at our 10-year-olds and, and figure out which ones we can turn into bloodthirsty little killers. And after a few years, this, this should pan out for us.
2: I mean, it really depends on the makeup of the districts, too, is that I think that a large reason why districts 1, 2, and 4 have the career tributes is not necessarily just that, oh, they decided that it would be a good plan to – the startup schools, it's that what they make for the capital is Mm -hmm. largely a lot easier of a job. I want to say like what district, district one makes jewelry or something. Luxury goods. Yeah. Yeah, Luxury goods. Mm -hmm. And district four makes fishing or does fishing and district two is in charge of masonry. Um, I kind of got the picture that the poorer districts Mm -hmm. are poorer primarily because their children are having to more or less illegally work to keep things at status quo.
0: I actually have the Hunger Games tribute guide, which is my my niece. I'm I'm not kidding. My 14 year old niece is a huge fan and she let me borrow it for the sake of this podcast. And the tribute guide is actually written like a piece of propaganda for a citizen of the Capitol. You know, for example, when they describe the reaping, they describe it as festive and they talk about how awesome every trinket is, but they break down Hmm. the they break down the districts and what they make and. This might be according to the movies, but yeah, District 1 is the luxury goods district. District 2 does masonry. District 3 is technology. Um, these are the people who are taught from an early age how to program computers, how to, do, how, how to make circuits, things like that. District 4 is fishing. District 5 is your power district. District 6 is allegedly transportation, Whereas the guide notes, ironically, the citizens here have little love for travel. <laughs> um, district 7 is lumber. District 8 is textiles. District 9 is grain. District ten is livestock, district eleven is agriculture, district twelve is mining. So so I take Serenity's point that some of these districts, like basically districts nine through through eleven, which are your ag districts. I mean, the kids are probably at work in the fields all day, but
1: the problem I have with these districts is they're so simplified that I mean, yeah. you read it like that and it really I feel like we're we're watching a game of settlers of Catan. Mm-hmm. It's like the, the it's like the hungry tributes of Catan uh it's tan <laughs> gone horribly horribly wrong and yeah. the people who make the lumber and the clay now have to fight each other uh mm-hmm. and and but it it, it you know this dist- district that that katniss is from um it's like a town in the in, in the mountains with like mm-hmm. a few people it, it it i i i struggle i find the setting of of the this book i guess um kind of unbelievable that um that it seems to fall apart if you try to think about it too much,
0: because District Twelve is a Dorothea Lang photograph. It's just yeah, so District weird. District Twelve is yeah. a little
1: town up in you know up in the up in the mountains, North
2: Carolina foothills. Yeah. What I understand yeah. from this is that I mean the the whole premise of the the wide world of Panem is it's basically post apocalyptic post apocalyptic USA where yeah. nukes were dropped. Bad things happened, and basically the entire
0: world... The water levels rose, so the the boundaries of the U.S. aren't what they used to be. um, So,
2: yeah, the way that I kind of interpret the districts is that initially you can say, oh, the districts are the equivalent of states, and there are only 12 states, and then the capital is a state within itself. But as I continued to read the books, I think I get more of the feeling that the districts are cities, and that's really like the only safe places that there supposedly are in Panem are just these 12 cities because everything else has been so blasted by radiation or and by just, you know, unha- unhospitable, unhabitable situations. Or at least that's the propaganda.
0: I kind of took it as a parallel for the Soviet Union, too, because um, back in back in the days of the old Soviet republics, they did try to... Cultivate a tourist trade in one and a natural gas trade in another and, and, and an oil trade in a third and, you know, a, a lumber up and up and, you know, up in the north and things like that. And granted, we saw how well that model did not work. But yeah. <laughs> um, it, it seems like a really effective way to brutalize a to brutalize a, a, to, to brutalize a, a people, too, is, is to point out that, you know, oh, you have no chance of mobility. You were born a farmer. You're going to die a farmer and um the state needs your food
1: sure uh, figuratively that makes sense i'm just saying you know, when i try to look at this logically i, I no, and and, no. and you talk about the travel times between the different mm-hmm. zones and all of that it's sort of you know it, it's like she wants to tell a an intimate story about what's happening in these districts and yet you know it, i would have understood it if they had said that district 12 is a you know is a bunch of mining towns up and down this entire mountain range and she's from one town that happens to be Near the seat of it, and mm-hmm. you know, they're one little cog in the wheel of this district that's mining. No, but, but it, it's it, apparently it's literally like, a like yeah. we got a small town yeah. here up in the mountains, and there's a one hundred people, and this yeah. is where the whole district right here. It's like, no, the no, hell How did yeah, I, that's yeah. Uh, it's not, you know, but but that's okay. This is well, she does is, a
0: lot of hand waving with the technology, too, because it's it's they have these hard scrabble existences where they wash out of basins, and then oh, they're on a train, and oh, they're in the Rockies, it's and,
1: magnetic levitation. It, it, yeah. No, it's it's mm-hmm she's the point here is not is not to take it too literally the point here is that she's making a media satire and she's making a political mm-hmm. satire she's talking about uh uh you know in many ways this is like um 1984
0: uh,
1: as as young adult fiction it, it it's mm-hmm. it, and and i was actually impressed as i read um the sequences in the Capitol and of course in the in the successive books you get more of this too that mm-hmm. that this is uh, you know this the flash this, the flashy story is about the the tributes going down into the into the arena but it you know it's really a story about a totalitarian government and oppressing its people and and in that way i thought it was like oh this is like you know my little golden book 1984 <laughs> which is nice and subversive <laughs> and i like that
2: it has a place as as froofy as some of the technology does i can kind of explain it away in my head logistically but yeah i mean it's definitely the Hunger Games does not set out to be super, okay, we're going to be completely factually accurate about what would happen in the case of a post-apocalyptic United States. Um, but, I mean, they have a lot of... There's, that said, she plays with a lot of really strange and fascinating technology. Uh, mm-hmm. The game... Can we talk about the game for a second? Just the, the oh, yeah. actual Hunger Games yeah, yeah, yeah. and the... Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because... We should right, probably so just start firing off the spoiler horn so that people Yeah, have Yeah, like, we're
1: going we're to talk about... The, the,
0: I feel constrained. The, let's fire off the spoiler no,
1: horn. No, no. Yes, exactly right.
0: <laughs>
1: we are going to talk freely about the first book in the movie, and we will warn people before we talk about the sequels. So go for it.
2: Hooray. Right. Okay, so <laughs> talking about the... <laughs> yay, let's let's get into the killing. Um, <laughs> the, the Hunger Games themselves...
1: Katniss uh, wins. Oh, sorry. Yeah.
2: or does she jason yeah well she wins for this book um (laughs) so i really love the like love is a weird word to use about kids killing each other in a in a crazy uh what truman show like dome uh but i love the technology behind the hunger games like i love that it's basically a giant virtual chessboard for this group of engineers and you don't really get to see that in the books, you know, because it's all from Katniss's point of yeah. view. So you can only really interact with the technology through her eyes. So you hear about the the mutations or the mutas- the mutations. mutations. The mut- yeah. Yeah, mutations. Um which I always want to pronounce as mutations because I don't know why.
1: It is because they are French. Yes. Oh yes. French <laughs>
2: French. French we will kill you we are dog
1: people <sighs> and we do snap not like snap.
2: you <laughs> so in like in comparison to the film i really like that we get to see seneca crane's big headquarters and we get more interaction you know we get to see the engineers building the the dogs it's like oh yeah let's let's place that here let's make a tree fall
1: it's not first person that, I, I think that's a huge strength of the of the movie yeah. Is that it, it? We are not locked in Katniss's perspective for the entire thing, and oh, we get that to opens see, up
0: the story beautifully. I it, love it's that so I, well. I,
1: I found myself really begging for that in in the whole series, but certainly uh. the movie did. <laughs> and we'll get to it, but yeah. it, certainly the movie did a very good job of of letting you see the game master and the and the and the, and the, and the politics behind the scenes while they're in there that That added a huge it was just it was a great thing to add in the movie. I
0: also loved how they again, they they illustrate how blithely disconnected the capital the capital citizens and the capital workers are from the nature of the games because you've got these workers who are very intently just maneuvering things in the board and they're obviously jockeying for their boss's approval. And they clearly don't care that what they're basically doing is is making it very, very easy for children to die. Instead, it's like, "Oh, boss, do you want me to divert this river here?" Yeah, that sounds great. Let's move her. And and for them, it's 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 they're basically manipulating pixels. That's where it begins and ends with them. And I, I found that sense of detachment to be really, really chilling and effective. Far more so than if you had pe- somebody who came in and said, "Say, does it ever bother you that we are moving with human beings' lives?" <laughs> no, no the, the fact that nobody did that, I thought, was the best thing they could have done. That these people don't even bother to think about the, the contestants as human beings anymore. That that part of the story is over, and they're just chess pieces.
1: They're just kids. What do you <laughs> yeah. think? What, what are we doing? No, that guy already died. He was he was executed in the seventy third Hunger Games.
0: They yeah, out. yeah. We don't talk about oh, him anymore. Yeah. Actually, okay. Here's a question I have about prior Hunger Games. How come nobody ever tried civil disobedience? Where we're like all of the contestants just said, "All right, you know what? We're not participating. We're just going to hang out the cor- cornucopia and hold hands." You know, because if it's televised, the Capitol is, is in a position. Or either they're going to have to start killing off the contestants' families or they're going to have to start killing off the contestants on live t v like it never occurred to anybody to 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 rally up the other the other tributes and say we're not going to participate. Everyone goes in this with the assumption they have to participate, and I can't believe that in seventy four years nobody ever tried it differently.
2: <laughs> I suspect they have, uh, yeah. but I also suspect you know you have districts one, two, and four, you have the career tributes, you have people. Who think oh well what if that's a trap and they're just saying let's hold hands so one of us mm. you know can drop down with a machete and kill everybody
1: that's the episode I mean, the 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 Hunger Games where everybody died of of uh, dehydration who's to say that mm. they didn't want to refuse to fight and so they just turned up the heat and and tried to see if they could make them fight until they all dropped right ah, I, I also think you're there's right
0: some- the Capitol could have been manipulating the narrative. So there, there mm-hmm. is that.
2: They have millions of cameras. And I mean, The Hunger Games, even in this one, starts off with lots of allies and friendships among the contestants until it gets down to two or three. So what's to say that they don't start it off as, oh yeah, all 24, let's see how they slowly turn against each other. I mean, that's typical reality television, isn't it? You put everybody in a house, then you watch them crack, basically. And <laughs> and
1: the the beauty of the, they could have made it, you know, 24, what, what, what did we learn from the first season of Survivor is alliances are formed even though you know there can only be one winner. And so that happens here, and that's also fascinating, the idea that we're going to join together and work together for some unknown period of time, and then we'll turn on each other and, and, and kill each other. And that's a natural kind of thing. So you end up getting the, oh, well, we're all going to work together, but you know that in the end um, something's going to happen. And that, that for me, that was a lot of the big drama in watching what was happening with uh, with Katniss was, you know, she, when she teams up with Rue, mm-hmm. um, there is an underlying fear there. And and likewise with PETA that up until they changed the rules in the middle of the game, which always seemed really hinky to me, that um, the big fear is what if we're too successful? Because if we're too successful, we will be the last two. And then one of us has to kill the other one. Right. I mean, that's like yeah. a fascinating kind of alternate like sidebar fear that is, what if we win? Because then my buddy, I, I, you know, I hope my buddy dies accidentally by a stray arrow before we get to the end. Because I don't want to have to kill her.
0: Well, the, the, they, she she handles she handles that scenario kind of in in with, with with a little bit of backstory in book number two, which we'll get to when we when we get to it. But uh, that goes through because you're like, oh gosh, what is Katniss going to do about Rue later on? And and well, fortunately, someone did it for her. So <laughs> so so there was or that. Rue. But. Uh, you know, I, 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 again, sweet character. I can, I can, I, I felt a little manipulated.
2: Oh yeah, no, I mean, she's there entirely to, to die. Stand yeah. well to die and to stand in as a figure for Katniss's sister. Yeah, and, right. and I t- mean, yeah. mm-hmm. she's painted like that from the start.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. well, because that's the only person that Katniss cares about, and so this is this is part of the emotional education of Katniss Everdeen is learning how to care about other people too. Exactly.
1: Can we talk about the? Um the uh, the romance aspect here because that was the, that was I was feeling kind of twilighty while I was reading it mm-hmm. I have to say I, I thought that this is you know if you're gonna write a young adult uh, novel note to self because I wrote one and I didn't do this so this is obviously mm-hmm. something for the rewrite you know you gotta have <laughs> you gotta have the female character with the two male characters who both of whom are similar and yet different and oh I just can't decide and oh I know it must be him no 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 it must be him no no it must be him instead that is like that is a pathway to riches i'll tell you and and, and it drove me with with uh with now i'm going to not not remember the names with gail and pita that yes. that was you know i i had that moment of like really really in a book that i really enjoyed that was the moment of like this feels a little calculated to me that yeah. I have to have a romantic subplot where she's torn and it just, it felt very much like, well, it worked for Twilight. Let's do it here.
0: Which is why I really enjoy when President Snow calls her out in her patent insincerity towards Peta at the end. I, I thought that was just delightful because cause he's got her number. And oh yeah, he rubs it in. Oh yeah. I think it's interesting that in, in both cases, it's not that, um, while, while Gail and Peta may express themselves and their intentions towards Katniss, she, she's like, and? This is my problem because, you know, there's not a whole lot. I I did read The Twilight. I've got people
2: to kill here.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I did read The Twilight books, and and she doesn't really do a whole lot of the, 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 the introspective, but me, oh, what do they see in me that says special BS that Bella Swan did. Instead, she's again, either she either she has game to catch or she has people to kill, and uh, she she will figure it all out later. Well,
1: and she and and she's clueless about it for a long period of time, oh, yeah. which which I thought was charming mm-hmm. It shows how young mm-hmm. she really is. And and it's you know in the movie, you know you can't you can't really cast thirteen year olds in this movie. But that was actually one of my big problems with the movie is that it, like like watching any TV show set in high school, you've got a whole bunch of people in their mid twenties. 16 oh, year olds and and you miss at least at least some of the characters like rue were they they cast young and so you could be like oh she's really young but the main characters are, are older and you know in the book that was a a nice bit of catness is she's so capable in so many ways and yet you know she you know doesn't really even have she doesn't really even get it with gail like later she's yeah. like oh gail he actually is kind of interesting. Huh. I hadn't th- right it's like she it's not it doesn't even occur to her because she's so yeah. young and she's really just not even focused on that at the same time.
0: She's focused on feeding her family and mm-hmm. you
1: know. Where, yeah. Whereas in in the movie um it, it's a different it's a very different story because Jennifer Lawrence is a you know she's she's
0: a full-grown woman. She's a
1: full-grown woman. She's she's on the younger side. I think she's like 22 or something but yeah, but but she's still a full grown woman, and it and it has a different uh, meaning when when uh, when you read it that way.
0: And you also, know? I don't think it escapes your notice that Thor's younger brother is pretty hot. So you know <laughs> that there's a little bit of there, there's a little bit of that.
1: It is Thor's younger brother. I had yeah. that moment where I was watching it and think, thinking, "Gale yeah, looks familiar. He's he's kind of like Thor um, or uh... Captain Kirk's dad, but he's <laughs> he's younger." And and then I at the end I see I see that it as is actually a Hemsworth, and I went, "Aha!"
0: I don't know what they're putting in the water in that family, but in uh, Asgard
1: they grow them. They grow them pretty magic in water.
0: So referring once again to the Hunger Games tribute guide, I'm flipping through it right now, and a lot of the background tributes who get killed almost immediately, they they actually did cast people who look really young and childlike. Um,
1: oh yeah, well that's the trick, yeah. right? Is is that, that they they tried to get the idea that young people were going to die by mm-hmm. by having it be the unimportant parts, but the important parts yeah. went to people who were 20, 21 in their 20s. Um, yeah, yeah, pseudo exactly.
0: stars. Yeah.
1: In, in the future, <laughs> in the post-apocalyptic future, people mature much faster. faster. That it's is literally. the explanation. Well, that's
0: a hard world. You have to it come It is. Mature.
1: When you're in the mines, in District <laughs> yeah. 12. Oh, ugh. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean,
2: in the movie, I have to say, they did a pretty good job of the romance without making it
0: feel overwrought. I, I really love the look and feel of the movie, but the one thing I think they got wrong, um, I, I disliked how they they turned the capital aesthetic into... Um, Christian Lacroix meets uh, Marie Antoinette because hmm. uh, well it, it it had a feel that someone watched the AbFab series from the 1990s and then they watched Sofia Coppola's Marie Antoinette and said oh, stop drilling you've struck oil and cuz they they had this very baroque very elaborate um Look, and it just didn't sit right for some reason. It, it sat weirdly on my eyes, and I kept thinking, this this doesn't seem very plausible, but um, that could just be my In own. In the
1: book, she wanted to make it seem, that was one of the sci-fi kind of futuristic elements, is this is an outlandish, ridiculous, um, completely like, To our eyes, and 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 to the eyes of the people in the districts, because that's who we're who we're we're seeing this world through their eyes too.
0: People with green skin—it's outrageous,
1: right? Their their skin is different colors, and they you know it's and the fashion is outrageous, and they toned it down. I think in part because it would have seemed kind of insane. To movie audiences, because then you t- you're taking it literally, you're actually seeing it. Whereas a as a sci-fi you know book reader, I read that and I'm like, wow, that's pretty wacky. But I I kind of go with it. It's like, yeah, sure, okay, blue skin or giant hair and wh- whatever. You don't I, see
2: these people in groups right, when but, you're reading it in a book.
1: But when yeah. you see it, and it's like Stanley Tucci, and and then I think that goes to the architecture and things like that. Is that they rather than make it kind of outlandish, they make it this sort of you know it's it's a a wealthy. Future. It's actually the only part of this thing that's set in the future that actually feels like it's in the future, which I think is part of the point. Is like everybody else has basically been thrown into the past, and the future has been hoarded by the by the winners. Honestly,
0: I feel like they could have just dressed everybody like the Real Housewives in New Jersey and gotten the same effect.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's true. And it
0: would have been because I was watching that when I flew home um, last last Monday. We flew on Virgin, and I, I I I had it on one of the headrests, and I didn't have the headphones, so I was just kind of. When I was intending to the toddler, I was catching bits and pieces of it out of the corner of my eye on mute. So it, it was like this really weird kabuki pantomime. They just And that seemed weird and disconnected from reality and bizarrely futuristic because everyone's got this, this incredibly manufactured, machine-made look to them. So really all you had to do was just look at the Real Housewives of New Jersey. The, the, the flashback to the Baroque thing is what bugs me from an aesthetic yeah. perspective, and I can't quite pin my finger on why. Because obviously it's a great metaphor with the Marie Antoinette and the hoarding of riches and let them eat cake and all that. But for some reason, um, for some reason, if you've got a movie that calls back so clearly to other periods of great economic injustice in the U.S., you know, since District 12 is obviously meant to, to, to evoke the Dorothea Lange photographs of Dust Bowl migrant workers, and since the games themselves are supposed to evoke the the, the, the pseudo rustic. Um, narrative of cowboy and Indian movies, you know, then why do you not go with a Roaring Twenties or Gilded Age theme for the Capitol? Why do you have to go to Marie Antoinette instead?
2: See, I look at it more as these are people who for the last, what, 75, 80 years Mm -hmm. uh, since the Capitol has conquered the rest of the districts and sort of kept everything at peace. These are people who probably haven't had to work a day in their lives and basically spend every single moment shopping and interior designing and, you know, dressing up jewelry. I so f- the
0: Bravo network is keeping us all down is where we're going. Basically. Yes. <laughs> well, it's
1: The Hunger Games will be broadcast on Bravo.
0: <laughs> and I bet you Andy Cohen will be the one who does the, the interviews. He's Caesar Flickerman. Oh, my God. Oh, yes.
1: Yeah, it's See, all it's coming all coming together.
0: together. <laughs> it is. But,
2: yeah, I feel the like if, if you have 80 years <laughs> worth of people who can't create artwork or, you know, they can't ex- exercise their passions, it just all goes into just fashion, which goes, I mean, you see what's on it the fashion. It goes highly personal. Yeah.
1: yeah. Right. It reads quickly too, as being, yeah. a you know, a decadent uh, society. And, and that, that in a film that has to compress so much to get book content into, into its, uh, into its running time, even though it does, you know, run for more than two hours, it's still got to compress a lot. And that's one of the ways that they, uh, that they, they compress it. Mm-hmm. So this, so Gary Ross, the director, uh, begged for him to make a movie without Tobey Maguire in it. Uh, because <laughs> I know that he, that's his, uh, his touchstone, That's his you know, oh, is that his,
0: and, and is that his is that his muse? Is yes. McGuire?
1: Well, Pleasantville and Seabiscuit are both uh, his most successful <laughs> what a movies before this. bizarre choice for a muse and and, and to- 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 Toby McGuire. Yeah, I know it is a strange choice. Anyway. The
0: suit—it's making me do things. <laughs> what
1: did what do you think? I mean, we, we watched this movie after having read the book, um, and I'm just curious how you think that they, uh, in general, it it worked as a movie because it, what's been fascinating to see. Is that the movie did so well, and that people went obviously who saw the movie who hadn't read the book, and it has driven people to read the book because I see people reading the Hunger Games Mm -hmm. everywhere now, Mm -hmm. which is warms my heart that people are reading books. It's great, and that a movie, you know, not only did a book create this audience for a movie series, which is awesome, but also that the success of the movie has led people to read the book. So the question is, you know, what was your take on the movie as a movie?
2: I really liked. Uh, the film as a whole, I I went into it really not expecting to like it very much because while I like Jennifer Lawrence and while I like a lot of people who are in the film, I'm like, well, it's pretty it's complicated as far as things go. And you you have to walk the line between, you know, killing kids on screen. How are you going to do that? Love Unfortunately, how you
0: do that? <laughs>
2: yeah, exactly. Gary Ross's answer was a really, really good editor and a lot of shaky cam, which while the shaky the shaky cam elements were used for effect they were used to show oh yes district 12 is very somber and meager and we're going to express that by moving the camera quickly and showing lots of down faces uh, and then to avoid brutal murder of children on screen they use the shaky cam to and cuts to basically make it all happen very fast and right. So that resulted in a little bit of nausea, but
1: that aside, well, it did mi- allow them to keep their PG thirteen, and yeah,
0: okay, which we just good. talk about what BS that is, because bear in mind this movie dropped at the same time that Bully did, and the MPAA gave Bully that rated R rating because of an F bomb dropped, but this movie, which which is all about the merry murder of children for entertainment, it's a PG thirteen.
1: Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah. No. No. That's that is like hunger games level crazy in the real world right there so
1: the thing about about it is is they they want this movie to be wide uh, uh, you know a, a, hit a wide audience and it and it does mm-hmm. appeal to younger audiences as well so they they did what they had to do to make it a movie that was still about people killing other people kids killing other kids while not making it so bloody that it would get an R. And it was, I actually thought that would be a real challenge uh, I, while I was reading the book. And, and you know, a lot of uh, sh- a little shaky cam goes a long way in, mm. into making Surprisingly. you sort of lose, lose track of the detail, but still know. I mean, because in the old days, it would be sort of like you'd show the reaction of the person and they'd go, <gasps> and then, you know, suffice mm-hmm. it to say, he died, but we don't mm. know how because it was blood on
0: spurts. Yeah. So you get. Yeah. You get,
1: Enough of it, but at the same time, you could argue that the whole point of this is that it should be brutal, and that you know if you water down the violence, you're really kind of missing the point of of what this is about.
2: I think they they walked that nice line. Whereas, I don't think any of the deaths felt hollow to me when we're actually seeing it on screen, which is nice. Even the moment that Lisa brought up earlier. When Katniss is basically riding on the train and watching, I what I'm guessing are rebroadcasts of old yes. Hunger Games in order to
1: psych up the tributes for the classic oh, Hunger look. Games network.
2: Yes, exactly. Look at what's fun awaits you. Uh, but I mean they 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 show it pretty well. Uh, in ter- without necessarily showing you the the gruesome details, they manage to evoke the oh this kid gets killed with a spear. Um, this kid gets blown up.
1: It's kind of funny, actually. The sequence of so many ways to die. <laughs>
2: oh, oh, a good trailer. There, there's a good promo for Catching Fire.
1: Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I, uh, I really, you know, I, I liked it. I liked the movie. I thought they did. I thought they did a pretty good job with a movie that, or with a, a source material that was hard to uh, figure out how they were going to fit it all in. And I think, um, as we said earlier having perspectives that aren't Katniss's helps it. I think, you know, this is not, I think, a, not a first novel, but uh, an early novel. And it's got some, mm-hmm. some issues that these, you know, screenwriters got to fix. I mean, th- there are things in oh, this yeah. that, that are, that are the story mm-hmm. by slimming it down, getting it into a little more than two hours instead of the, uh, the, the length of the book, which would as filmed would have been, you know, whatever, eight hours uh, made some good choices uh, clarified a lot of things. They can show some things that don't. They don't need to go into detail because you see it and you're like, oh yeah, I get that. And they can move mm-hmm. on with the rest of their premise. And you know, the casting, uh, just Jennifer Lawrence herself, um, mm-hmm. uh, goes a long way. And Woody Harrelson, oh. Uh, oh, he threw, Harrelson. He Woody Harrelson in too. I, I thought that the the casting um, really helped this movie. If they, if they had not found the right Katniss, this would have been a disaster.
0: Elizabeth Banks was fantastic. Oh, oh my oh, yeah. god.
1: Elizabeth Banks well, is good in almost everything she is in. It is amazing. That is
0: mahogany. Yes. <laughs> and
1: and Josh, Josh Hutcherson does nothing for me, and he seems like kind of a human blank, but that's okay. It's that's fine. That's
2: what the, kind of PETA so is. But <laughs> so we have to take our hats off to Stanley Tucci, because, man.
0: Oh, God, he was amazing. He's, I
2: Well, the opening of introducing, yes, I'm Cesar Flickerman, and this is my television show. You know exactly who he is, Within yeah. the first 10 seconds of him sitting on stage and you just see the flashes of the marquee behind him with him smiling in like 20 different clip shows, that that whole sort of clip show experience when he's interviewing the candidates, it feels like you're watching all of the best episodes of David Letterman kind of strung up together. And you get a sense very clearly is like, oh, he is the talk show personality in the Capitol. Like, this is the man.
0: I would love to know who he watched when he was prepping for this. I, oh, you know, yeah. Because it, it seems like he's obviously picking up on, on a bunch of different people who are out there right now. There's a little Johnny Carson. There's the a little Lady Jack Collins. Benny. Yeah. I thought it was a good adaptation because, like you said, it pairs back a lot of the problematic stuff. Um, it it told a good, fast story. You didn't need to know a whole lot of backstory and they didn't have too many in-jokes or anything that people who didn't read the book first would, would miss. Um, that's actually one of my complaints about comic book movies is a lot of the times they do a lot of fan service at the expense of people who just wanted to go watch a film. And this didn't. It was it was a good – I think there will probably be people who watch all three or four Hunger Games movies and never read the books. And that's okay. They'll be fine with it, you know. And they won't need to read the books to have gotten the full impact of the story. It tells
2: a much more complete story than any of the Harry Potter book, uh, movies, for instance. Mm -hmm. You know, which by and large just feel like this scene and then this scene and then this scene. Whereas Mm -hmm. the Hunger Games movie was written well enough that you're like, oh, no, I'm actually following a plot here. And I don't feel like, have I missed a scene somewhere?
0: Is this going
2: somewhere? Um, One thing I did want to bring up from the film is there's there's a scene between President Snow and Seneca Crane, the Game Master, which we Mm -hmm. do not get in the books. Where he's basically, you know, he's basically lecturing Seneca Crane about being too nice to Katniss. But he has this wonderful line where it's like, yeah, do you know why we do this? Why don't we just, you know, round up 24 people, shoot them? And the whole concept of, yeah, we're doing this to give them hope. And the the idea of giving these nations who have basically betrayed us uh, the idea that we're being lenient in any sort of way, dampens the idea of this sacrifice. I mean, that's a really powerful image that it takes Katniss in meant in like her inner dialogue in the book, something like seven or eight chapters for us to really grasp. But on screen, they managed to do it in five minutes with this conversation, and I really, really
1: love that. So I think we're going to move on mm-hmm. to the uh, other two books that have not yet been made in movies. And so we will consider this... Your spoiler warning So if you haven't read the second or third books, please turn away or be spoiled forever um, So let's talk about Catching Fire, which is the second book in the trilogy uh, or as I like to call it, uh, that book was so fun I'm gonna write it again) <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. 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 It, it it's <laughs> I actually think there are a lot of things in Catching Fire that are better than in the Hunger Games, but my disappointment is she decided to tell the same story again so it's like we're getting the band back together we're going to we're going to put we're going to put it uh you know you're you're back in and it's going to be an all-star matchup of for the 75th anniversary of all the tributes who survived and, and they're all
0: star all... Say, all star never works on reality tv is this no, supposed to be criticism no. of reality tv as well well but that's they what i think that's, that's
1: think. <laughs> what it is that's what it is <laughs> it's I... about all, how how all star survivor was a real disappointment Actually, that's okay. what she's trying to say no
2: i i see that more or less as not a cop out by the writer but actually as a pertinent thing where she's she's basically showing the capital being like oh well crap our citizens are becoming restless and we don't know how to control them and the only way we've been able to control them before is the hunger games so let's throw the people who are making trouble right back, back into in. the hunger games
0: i love how they manufactured the history where he brings out this envelope and opens it says, oh look this year's challenge Oh, yes. (laughs) Sure, it's been (laughs) sealed for years. Yes, for years, and only now has it been (laughs) revealed. It's so Soviet, it's delightful.
1: So structurally, um, what I would have liked to see, and this goes back to my praise of the movie for showing us a different perspective, um, Mm -hmm. I felt like she, and again, we're criticizing somebody who made a gigantic boatload of money with these, and, and you know, she maybe made a great commercial decision to just replay the first book again, and she did get a chance to improve. Like the, some of the action that happens in the arena is better. I, I think she, you know, took a stick and crack at it and did some things right. But I kept feeling like I would have almost rather have seen Katniss as a mentor mm-hmm. and seen the political machinations happening and seen the games as they're viewed from the outside by the mentors as this stuff is happening and maybe as they're plotting to get people out of the capital and even rescue people from in the game. I, I, I would have almost rather Katniss not have been in there and seen it from the perspective of the person on the outside. We meet a new contestant and it's very upsetting that they're going to die. And Katniss has to watch. And they missed, you know, she missed an opportunity to sort of like explore a different part of the world. And that, that frustrated me with this as, as well done as some of it is that um, it's just a retread. And it's like, you know, she had parts of her world that she could have explored more, and chose to do the replay. So, here's
0: my theory. Actually, is if you take a look at the arc of Katniss's development over the course of the trilogy, um, by the by the, the the third book is basically about how people who are on the cusp of adult would have to learn how to negotiate an adult world where they don't understand a lot of the rules and are not sure who is friend and who is foe. It's it's your basic, okay, I'm in college. Do I hang out with my roommate? Type scenario, except, you know, with revolutions. And um, the way I see it is the second book is kind of the bridge between the profoundly adolescent junior high slash high school mentality of the Hunger Games, where you where, where the reader is meant to relate to Katniss as you would relate to a ninth grader or or anybody else who's in a situation that feels hostile and they don't make the rules and their job is just to survive it. This book is meant to, to say, okay, we've hit a point in adolescence where we realize that the rules are rigged and where we realize that adults don't have all the answers. And sometimes they're going to look to us for the answers and we have to step up because that's going to be our job more as we get older. And so by the third book, she's she's neck deep in, in, in the messy adult world and there's no more adolescent hunger games at all. So so I think this book provides a valuable transition role. I, I think it has the worst ending out of the three books. Like like the last few few chapters, you're just like, what, what, what?
2: Oh, it's a cliffhanger ending. It's a, it's an Empire Strikes Back-esque trying to capture that and failing oh, it's just, so miserably. It's miserably.
0: Yeah, it's just... I, I, th- I think it's got a really weak ending, but I think that in terms of how Katniss evolves as a character, or as... Not evolves, but how she grows into who she's going to be, um, I, I think that this book provides a pretty valuable bridge between her simplistic or childlike understanding of who she was in the first book versus um, the more nuanced reconstruction of her personality that she has to 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 undergo by by the end of the third book um so so you know it's it's i don't necessarily i don't necessarily see it as a retread i see it as kind of okay if the first book is is junior high or or ninth grade maybe the second book is your senior year of high school and this launches you into the third book which is college Hmm. um and I, is everything is different C- yeah. the and, same. and
1: and cinna who we've seen all along in the oh, character Cina. we haven't really talked about who is a I
0: fascinating thought
2: he was miscast in the movie i didn't like i don't know no you know what i thought he was fine however i thought his creations were miscast in the movie oh yeah yeah, yeah. because you a- get you get the picture of them being these flamboyant amazing like am i crazy in that i remembered her when her when she spins around like showing off her dress the oh. original dress burns off yes
1: to show. they took it out yeah 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 but uh, you know a very interesting character and 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 uh, you know Lenny Kravitz to play him in the movie was not um he was he's charismatic although not really what I expected um, but mm-hmm. you're right, Ren, that the, uh, the outfits, I was really disappointed that they didn't do her trick where the outfit burns off to reveal the other outfit. That was yeah. like one of my favorite things. And I was, I could picture that in my mind's eye and they're like, yeah, it's too hard. We're not going to do that. And they even Why their outfits, what you're picturing? even the outfits on the charity, the chariot were like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, You know, it was not. It, I, think, I, I guess but, it's yeah. easier to say they were very impressive, and people were people loved them, and they were like nothing ever seen before. And then you're the costume designer, and you're like, well, what the hell am I going to do? Because I can't do that. So
0: I don't have this technology available to me now, <laughs> which yeah. is what it is. So no, I think Michael I think Michael Early would have been a really nice Senna. Um, I think he's got. Yeah. I think I think he I think he would have provided a really compelling look, and he's got a certain stillness of character that works well for Senna. And I I found Synod to be so intriguing because how do you work in basically a Bravo TV-style industry like remaking tributes and live in the Capitol and still be somebody who decides at your core, this is wrong, this is wrong, I'm I'm going to help foment rebellion with what I do. You know, we never, that's one of my criticisms of the book is we never get an idea of what draws people to the rebellion or how they manage to join it. Um, I mean, the districts, it's kind of obvious, but in the capital, th- there's a lot of people in the capital who are in the rebellion. How did they get there? What, what made them decide it was better? Yeah.
1: Do, do you believe that Katniss was as confused uh, and clueless at the end as that was one of those moments of like, really, does she not understand what's happening here? That they're like, oh, I just fired my arrows and I don't know what I'm, you know, at the end, I thought I thought she came across as being a little a little clueless. That was surprising for me, too.
2: I think it's a it's all very hectic. Right? The the second book is all about being, you know, everything's going crazy.
0: She's caught off guard through, through the, I think one of the reasons the second book, sh- it shook me the first time I read it, is because she's persistently off her game, both she and Gail. I mean, Gail gets whipped in right. a public square, and this is something, you've got the sense in the first book that they had basically figured out District 12 and they had it gamed. They had figured out ways to get out of it for hunting. They had participation in a thriving black market. Nobody messed with them. They're just two kids who like to hunt. And in the second book, Katniss is besieged on all sides. Um, her her quote unquote cousin um, is is whipped, uh-huh. and she doesn't know who to trust. That these games are even more confusing because she's going up against older, more seasoned opponents.
1: Well, they, they're no longer novel, and they can't get away with all the tricks that got them where they were the first time. And mm-hmm. and that that is interesting, right? That that they can't. You know, all the old mm-hmm. tricks aren't going to work anymore. They worked once, but this mm-hmm. is, now we know who you are. We we know going in what your skills are.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then Peter pulls this, oh, and by the way, she's pregnant. Lie. And, you know. It's yeah. Just, uh, what in the handbag? That was
1: like the worst, <laughs> that was the worst, like, reality TV kind of stuff. And I, Oh, I yeah. I like, didn't...
0: Melrose place doesn't even try that. Come yeah. on.
1: But, yeah. but, you know, there, there are interesting things in here. The, um. The strategy, the stuff that happens there—there are, there are killer monkeys.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh yes, I love I, that. There, there are killer monkeys. I love the. Ooh, ooh, and now we can talk about now we can talk about the tidy narrative conceit in book two, where when they're watching mitch's games and he's hanging out with the um, other girl from District Twelve, Maisie Lee Donner, and the two of them help each other out, and then after a while, it, it occurs and then that. Oh, this this is not going to go well if, if it's right. down to just the two of us. And so they're like, "Well, see ya." And she gets killed moments later by a lethal hummingbird. And I thought, well, that, that that's kind of convenient for Hamish because he doesn't have to be the one to kill her. He doesn't have to make that hard choice
1: again. So you know mm-hmm. that that is the that is the funny part about being in the in the games is that yeah. you you know you, you love your allies, but you you kind of want them to die so you don't have to kill them. All right, so Ma- Mockingjay. <laughs> mocking Jay I felt like about uh, halfway through um, takes a turn spe- so spectacularly bl- bad that it completely <laughs> um, threatens to not only swamp the, the my view of the novel as the whole but the series mm-hmm. and it doesn't because you know we can't really retroactively go back and make the other two books stink they are what they are and I and I did enjoy reading mm-hmm. them but I thought mocking Jay was a, a a complete disaster because she essentially can't put her put them back in the Hunger Games again, so she puts them in an amalgamation of sort of the Hunger Games on the streets of the capital in this yes. kind of bizarre um guerrilla warfare on the streets of the capital kind of thing, and, it, it, you know... And she
0: resolves the love triangle at the same time. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: because everyone was on Tenderhooks about that.
1: Yeah, um, and the whole deprogramming of PETA, which oh is crazy.
0: Real or not real. Oh... Um, now, here's what I like about th- that, though, is is Katniss ends the book as a profoundly damaged person who's going to have PTSD oh, yes. for the rest of her life, and I think it was important for Suzanne Collins to to point out that you know when you've gone through the kind of experiences that someone like Katniss has gone through, there is no bouncing back. I mean, she was already a, a pretty damaged person going into the first Hunger Games, and by the time that she survived two games and a civil war, um, and seen and heard several people's gruesome deaths and then lost her sister um, to, to President Coyne's machinations. Mm-hmm. You don't get to be happy. Well, I mean, you, yeah, I, I can you,
1: appreciate that. That's you don't where get she to alive. Yeah. I can appreciate that. That's where she wanted to leave it. But mm-hmm. boy, that 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 last section feels so
0: I also hate the hand waving. Well, I do hate the hand waving. They did. Where they're like, oh, and then a trial happened.
1: <laughs> I think, the, well, yeah, I think the treatment of the sister first off, where it's like, oh, and it turns out her sister was there, and she's P.S. dead. Yes, yeah. and, and it's just you know so poorly handled. And I yeah. think uh, you have so much invested in the story. I I I, I liken it a little bit to how in uh, Alien Three. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we have Alien, great movie, Aliens, and then David Fincher's not really his best work, Alien Three. The opening of Alien 3 is, hey, Ripley, you're alive. Oh, Newt, she she died. She's gone. It's like, wait a second. That's just like you've just given a big FU to the second movie. And I I like the second movie. That's why I'm watching the third movie. And I felt like that with killing the sister. It's like, you know, the sister, her her sacrificing her life and her... um, or whether it's her literally her life or it's that she's going to be messed up for the rest of her life for her sister is a nice part of the story. And in the end here, it's sort of like, well, yeah, but I'm going to very quickly move pieces around so that the sister dies so that things are really messed up. And it's like, you know...
2: Well, she's not allowed to have a happy ending. She's not allowed to have any kind of hope.
1: Yeah, even if the happy ending is... is is that somebody else has a has a uh, lives on and and Katniss doesn't or mm-hmm. her you know her life is kind of wrecked. It felt like I, I could have seen her sister be killed in uh, some sort of way that made sense, <laughs> but that's not the, this isn't that. It, it, this was it felt like a real mess to me that yeah. that she she needed to make these things happen and so she made them happen and then they happen in this crucible of this kind of like bizarre. Civil War on the streets of the Capitol thing, like, oh, we're rolling through all the districts. That's not going to be a problem. Oh, there's a little problem in District Two. You're going to have to go there, you know, be on TV. But, but, you I know, I thought
0: the plot mechanics are kind of kind of visible and obvious because the whole point of District Two is where Katniss realizes that the Gale she thought she knew is not really the Gale who came out in wartime, and and this is going to, yeah. and then when you, but I agree, they. That business in the capital is just ridiculous, especially when you get to the mutations that smell like roses and are programmed to respond to Katniss's name. So and
1: bizarre, so and, bizarre, and weird. And, and then the and then the end after she wakes up and there's the whole. You know, I, I appreciate the idea that the 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 rebels are all are not any better. I, I think yeah. that's a very. Um, very well, the c- cynical and mm-hmm. and and awful thing to think, and also, you know, that's her point is is the people who want to take over are always going to want to be they're always going to be the same people.
0: Yeah, I think President Snow made a great point about that, where he's like, President Coyne did it right. She let the districts tear themselves apart, and then she just waltzed on in, and yeah. none of a few people mm-hmm. saw it. Yeah,
1: yeah, and so I don't mind that that Katniss does her little trick, and uh, although it still seems kind mm-hmm. of bizarre that, like, yeah, okay, she shoots the other one, and now. <laughs> You know, yeah. it, it, but it just... And I, then I she know. goes bonkers and they have a trial off screen. And there's an epilogue, yeah. Them. Yep.
0: But what did you guys think about the whole... What did you guys think about the catalyst of the story being the decision to throw a Hunger Games using capital children? It's a little frustrating when
2: you've come so far and then only to see, yeah, this District 13 is basically a whole new capital. Right.
1: It, they're the same. They're the same bastards wearing new faces but that that I mean that's her message right and again we're back to the from, from the the anti kind of totalitarian and 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 and, uh, and uh, governments out of control uh, kind of thing I, I totally see that but the way that it's done is the problem I think is that is that it, it, it's it, it loses I, I, I my concern is that Suzanne Collins really only has one story to tell here and she yeah. told it twice mm-hmm. already and so the third time she's kind of run out and yeah. so she's kind of pulling some strings to get things to to get where they she wants them to go and it just you know mm-hmm. i i was really unhappy with the whole thing i thought i thought it was not not because it didn't have a wonderful happy ending cuz that's a, i'm okay with the dark endings but that mm-hmm. it just seemed kind of out of the blue and badly executed and uh yeah just like she had to, she was obligated to turn in a third book so this is what we got so ren I- I- any other thoughts that you have about um Jay? Now oh that gosh. I've now that I've yelled about it for too long,
2: you know. See, I've only read Jay one, the once on the tail end of yeah. my you know three day uh, Hunger Games extravaganza, and most, so it's still. Most
1: people only read books one time.
2: Uh, crazy people, <laughs> but uh, I don't know it. It's blurry to me, but I think that's also the way that the book was written, where it just it. It and Catching Fire to a certain extent are both very hectic books. And when you're traveling through Katniss's eyes, especially the thing that I really like about book 3 is how reluctant Katniss is to be a symbol of anything. It's like we were talking about earlier in the in the podcast about Katniss isn't focused on love stories or, you know, overarching plots. She's just focused on the next thing at hand. She's focused on saving her sister. She's focused on getting through the night. She's focused on avoiding being killed, you know, or finding food or, you know, oh, God, I have to talk to people on live television. Um, There's never there's never any big picture to her and people wanting her to be a symbol of this war effort and this cause. She I feel like she seems to shy away from from the start, you know, where she's just doing these things and she doesn't really. She doesn't really have a sense for her overarching actions. Like, she's doing stuff to save herself and to save Peta and to save her sister, save the people that she cares about. But she I don't think she ever really goes into it intentionally thinking, oh, this will be a good symbol to the people and rouse them up into rebellion. And so when District 13 is like, yep, you're going to be the Mockingjay. You're going to be our great, wonderful symbol uh, she's very unenthused about it, and even when they, you know, she gives them all these demands that they agree to, she's still very uncomfortable, and she's uncomfortable yeah. throughout the entire book.
1: I I like that though. I, I I think that's one of the good things about her progression as a character is because oh, it is yeah. about how does somebody become a revolutionary icon? How how, how does somebody become? A symbol of revolution, um, somebody that people rally behind, and you can you can plan to be it all you like, and will never be it, or you can be in the right place or wrong place, I guess, at the at the right time or wrong time, and and you just become that, and and that's Katniss's story, and she doesn't she has to realize the power that she's accumulating just by her actions, and she first finds out because um, the po- people in power are quite upset and threatened by her, I and mean, how could that be? She's just this poor girl from the country who who you know was fortunate enough to win this thing and over time you know she realizes that she's got some 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 power and in that third book the scenes in district 13 you know they make that clear that you know you are you are a symbol and she has to try to come to terms with that i thought that was all really interesting just just from the sense of of revolutions having symbols and what if you're that person and you may not have done it for any of those reasons but you know
2: You end up being that symbol and the choice is, well, do you represent it or do you run away from it? And she has kind of a, she has a little bit of both in this book, which is nice. And there's also the contrast between she, who really has no desire to be a national symbol and Gail, who really, I mean, Gail is the person who really should be the Mockingjay and should be the symbol of revolutionary warfare. And he ends up more or less being so, uh, towards the end of the book uh, thanks to like bomb raids and certain things. uh, But it's interesting to contrast the two of them. I mean, even their arcs from the start of the books where they're hunting partners, but from the beginning, they've had very different philosophies and as the books progress and very much so in Mockingjay, you sort of see those come to a head where Gale, who has always kind of been a revolutionary really gets his chance to step into the spotlight and Katniss Takes the revolutionary banner somewhat unwillingly and really comes out the worst for it.
1: Yeah.
2: Right. Yeah. yeah. I don't. Mockingjay. I have problems with Mockingjay.
1: Well, and maybe if somebody read these books when they were when they were released and had a long wait between them, they would view it differently than than somebody like me and I guess like you who who tore through them, read
2: them up. all in order. Yeah. Yeah. Quickly.
1: But when you run when you read them in order, you can see the decline, I think, in quality very starkly as you go. <laughs> that the second one is better in some certain ways, but disappointing in that it doesn't really try to be more. And then the third one it feels like she's kind of like got her part in the weird district 13, which is kind of interesting and sterile. And those people are kind of messed up in their own way because they've been in isolation so long. And then they go to the, there's the military stuff in the, and the March on the Capitol. And it just mm-hmm. kind of careens out of control in my mind. And then she's just like slapping things in there and hoping that it all makes sense, which it doesn't. Yeah.
2: The difference between the hunger games, the first book and the latter two is that the first book is a standalone story and a very powerful standalone story. We get introduced to characters, we get the tension, we get the conflict, we get the resolution more or less, but both catching fire and mocking Jay are clearly books in an installment. They make no pretenses of, Oh, we're going to reintroduce you to people or, you know, they, you know, em- the reason why empire is such a good film is that it stands on its own, even though it is the second part in a trilogy Right. Whereas Catching Fire, I would never read Catching Fire unless it was part of a reread of the entire trilogy right. because it just doesn't make sense, and that's I think a large part of the of the writing decline as it goes.
1: I don't have a link here, but there was a great blog post um, where somebody said, "Hey, so The Hunger Games has been a success. That's great. Uh, they what are they going to do about that third book? I mean, that was that was <sighs> literally the blog post was all right." And I can see how they're going to make the second movie uh, based on the second book. And we can see how that'll work. And then you get to the third book. It's like, it was nice to read it because having read it, I thought, am I the only one who thinks this? And this blogger was saying, third book's a complete mess. Um, how do they deal with it? And, and my my question is going to be how much input Suzanne Collins in and approval she has. She co-wrote the screenplay for this uh, movie, I think. So so that that doesn't fill me with hope. But... Um, You know, who knows, maybe in simplifying it into a movie length story, um, it will make, you know, it will be less messy because just as they did with the first one, I think they made improvements as they went. So maybe, maybe so. But it's interesting to think about it and think, wow, that's, they got some work, you know, cut out for them when they get to the third book.
2: Oh yeah, it can't be as messy as Matrix Revolutions. We'll just <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah, okay. That's, you've always got, what got I'm that comparing out there. It to. You've, you've yeah. always got that third that third movie that it will never be as big a problem as the Matrix Revolutions. That's At least great. we can hope. All right, so we have now beaten uh The Hunger Games books to death and the film as well. Although we like the first You know, we like the first movie and book, and and the second one has a lot of potential for a movie, and then uh, the third book, well, we'll see.
2: The third one will be interesting. I hope they get a good director and a good screenwriter.
1: Interesting problem for them to solve, and they'll have lots of money to use to try and solve it. Yes,
2: though I pray they won't try and fit it into such a tight release date. They're trying to get Catching Fire out for next November, I believe. So November 2013. Which is crazy. And they're trying to fit in shooting before Jennifer Lawrence runs off for X Men in the fall, this fall.
1: What a mess. So yeah.
2: Let's let's hope they manage to do this and not compromise on story.
1: Well they're financially motivated, that's for sure. So that's true. But we'll see. All right. Well, I would like to thank my guests for joining me today. Ren, thank you so much.
2: Thank you, Jason. And maybe the odds be ever in your favor.
1: Thank you. Lisa, thank you for being here.
0: Thanks, Lisa. All right, it was nice talking to you, Serenity. See you guys soon. You too.
1: So until our next edition of the Incomparable, uh, thanks for joining us. I'm Jason Snell. See you next time. Bye bye.
0: Actually, speaking of running out, my daughter is kind of having a nutty downstairs, so I'm going to have to oh, uh, go play mom now. L- I had so much fun talking about this with you guys. Lisa,
1: thank you for being here.
0: All right. Enjoy. Bye.
1: All right. So um, I guess I'm the only survivor. I win the Hunger Games. Uh, yeah. Something like that. Uh, except you're still here. Ren. We, do we make a deal? Are we from the same district? Do we get to... Do we... You know, you here are some poison berries. You can... Oh, good. Yeah. Them.
2: Well... We'll end this podcast together.